0: and Jelly spoons Welcome to Truth Love and Peace. This is episode number 34. Gavin Randall. What's up? Is joining me in the pilot. We are pushing all the appropriate buttons. Button we are pushing. signing on to Facebook just like and we do a society. YouTube, it's right, man. like <laughs> a Black Mirror all day long. Dang, 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 Put- dang, dang. Push,
1: push, push. I've never seen that series.
0: Oh, you got to check it out. It'll come around. I've never there. seen a series. It it's always,
1: good. I feel like I See, I've done acid before, and every time I see that show, it's like an acid trip, and I don't want to relive, like, those horrible nightmares again, <laughs> like that.
0: There are no horrible nightmares. These are new. Plus, I was kind of disappointed. Demented.
1: Like, when I thought it said Black Mirror, I thought it was, like, a, a social justice, like, documentary, some shit like that. But then when I looked on Not there, I said, all. it's like, white people assimilating. Oh, never mind. <laughs> like, that's <it. laughs> Never mind.
0: <laughs> my I enjoy stuff like that though uh, From a historic standpoint I, I get into all the The philosophy of what's going on With the new technology I'm kind of a dork about that stuff
1: I feel you Basically like Just like that whole psychedelic It's sci-fi But it's still relevant To what's going on today Right I feel you Dude Like that's how I felt About the Terminator For a long
0: time Really?
1: Yes <laughs> I feel like we were putting way too much effort into AI. Yeah. And that eventually it would lead into the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. And he would
0: destroy us all. Well, and I
1: feel like it's still working. Look at him. He's he's coming over Cali now.
0: Yeah. They're man. in a drought now. He'd be president. If, yes. Uh, if if it Trump didn't
1: for, already do it. Yeah, if,
0: if it weren't for the rules. Yeah. And if he whatnot. Didn't,
1: if he didn't have that uh, well, that that made baby then he would've he would've been president by now he would've found a he way around he, he would've he must have
0: the maids baby
1: second <laughs> sky night to destroy us all
0: <laughs> okay so let's let back up for a second all before right. we get too far into the governator okay uh <laughs> let's, let's pause it knuckle deep okay alright <clears throat> and for for all of my friends who who don't know you um local local stand-up comedian here in Mobile. That's how I met you. Yeah. yeah. And do you live here in Mobile and how long have you been doing comedy?
1: I actually live here in Mobile and I think I've been doing comedy for about a year and a half now.
0: Dude. Yeah. I would have put you way closer to like three or five.
1: Really? Oh my God. Dude, that's such a huge compliment. Like, I swear, I try to learn basically from each set that I have and I've built like such good techniques off of it. Like, I literally learn from watching other people. Like, from basically alfred ward really helped me out yeah and bill goodman carson taylor like all the mobile comics that you had on i've been watching them do it for like a year and a half and like each of them give me like little tidbits of advice like i know alfred was the main one who was like all right listen man (laughs) listen man you don't hold your mouth up to that fucking microphone (laughs) so nobody can hear you (laughs) but he basically told me like all the basics so yeah, I, I just like to contribute to like to all the comics that I hang around, with. especially like Lindsey Vereen and Ben Fry, like everybody. I learned something from everybody,
0: even from you. The community, man. I um I feel the same way because I've I've learned from watching your set, just the way that. I, I enjoy seeing people who do themselves well. Like when people find a way to do original, which I think that's what makes comedy really exceptional. Yeah,
1: yeah, like that's. That's mainly what I try to do is it's like I found that whenever I do material that comes from like way in the gut to where it's that feeling of, oh, shit, should I do this or should I not do this? (laughs) This is a little personal. I don't know about that. That's what I figured out. That's the funniest one to do, right? Because people relate to that, and they relate to that feeling of, oh, I'm just like this asshole, and like people like it.
0: Honest and genuine, man. That's what I've been thinking about all week long. Yeah, being honest and genuine. Like I
1: know for like the first, like it's only been like half a year. I've really that I believe I've really started to come into my own, Mm -hmm. because for that first year. I was trying so hard with the technique and like learning from different people that I started to sound like other people and like subconsciously. I know my favorite comics are like Louis C.K., Bernie Mac, Eddie Griffin, mm-hmm. uh, Lisa Lampanelli, and I know John Mulaney and Pete Holmes. I sounded like all of them combined together, like whenever I would do different material because mm-hmm. I would always write it with their voice in my head. Yeah. <laughs> instead of doing it like from my voice in my head and like. Basically getting the material right are
0: I don't think that's uncommon though. I think everybody starts out as a cover band. Like even Hunter S. Thompson sat down and typed out like the great Gatsby, Just the great Gadsby. Gatsby. Just because he wanted to know what it felt yeah. like to type that rhythm. So yeah. on some level... Because I can identify with the same thing. I used to memorize Carlin's bits and oh, Gallagher's yeah, George. bits. George You know. <laughs> George is freaking hilarious. Oh, cool. the philosopher king of, of his time. Yeah. You know, no doubt wrote some in- incredible material. But I can remember there was a Gallagher bit where he did this huge wordplay thing where he goes through mustache and tombs and bombs. Yeah. And <laughs> even even then, yeah, knowing nothing about comedy, I still had had an appreciation for it, and yeah, I like, still learned through them.
1: When you watch a legend do it, it's yeah. it's almost as if they're just talking to you. Yeah, like they're not even like you don't even you don't even look at it because they're performing in front of thousands or millions right. of people. They're speaking directly at you, just and you mood. feel like it's you. That's why I really loved Eddie. Like yeah. Eddie was just Eddie, and <laughs> that was it. He didn't give no shits. Like, Eddie and Patrice O'Neal were probably, like, my two biggest influences.
0: Patrice. Oh, Patrice, man. I just
1: loved his God.
0: The juggernaut.
1: Just his God-given honesty. <laughs> like, how brutal. <laughs> just how brutal. <laughs> like, the bit that really drove me into comedy was what, his bit with the chicken wing lady.
0: I don't remember that one. There
1: was a bit, like, on his uh, on his unreleased CD, mm-hmm. you know, that his wife did. Uh, well, my wife but girlfriend yeah, yeah, that his yeah, girlfriend yeah. did yeah. that he got into it with this lady at the club who was eating chicken wings and he said listen I don't fear black bitch rage <laughs> like, him and the lady started getting into it and he was just yelling at her and he said he said y'all he said, "Y'all looking at this like we're arguing? Believe it or not, this is how mo- this is how I end up fucking people most of the time. This is how I get it." He said, "This is how I get it. I just walk up to like females and go like, oh, so you couldn't try today, bitch.'" <laughs> and then she said, "What did you say to me? I know you didn't say to me. Look, I'm sorry. You're beautiful. I didn't know how to approach you."
0: And then. She- that's a great game plan, though. You just go and you throw a pile to step in, and yeah, then you're you like, let's clean pile, this up in. together, let's and they got together. something to come. Let's clean this up I like together. that. I like that. That's a good move. Yeah, man. Patrice is a fucking genius, though. Patrice,
1: man. he was. He was ahead of his time. <laughs>
0: no doubt. No doubt. And I can remember that was one of the things that I ran around uh, being excited about. It was kind of one of the fourth wall pull the curtain backs when I first started Really learning to be funny on demand, like to stand up and and tell jokes and yeah. try and write jokes, was the extent to which it is not extemporaneous. Yeah. Like I can get up and I can talk off the cuff on a myriad of subjects. Yeah. I cannot get up and be funny on demand without <laughs> pulling out material. Like it's a whole different thing, and it's I had a whole no different idea. Like i had a, no idea it's yeah. amazing
1: yeah it's like you like at first when you first start out you're thinking oh, okay i'm just gonna write like two or three jokes <laughs> thankfully i knew to better there. than, to, than to, no. no i came in like well prepared mm-hmm.
0: i was like all right i got this i got because i had had enjoyed comedy for so long i knew that there was a little more to it yeah but i just
1: woo-hoo, woo-hoo, i just followed off just the approach on of just be naturally fun because that's what i always was yeah. Like, when, like, even in conversation, like, I'm always the one that's, like, trying to be engaging and trying to find, you know, like, what type of sense of humor the person has. Yeah. And I thought you could do that. Like, just get on stage and just ask questions and shit. The first thing I learned never ask the crowd a fucking question. No. Because these idiots mm. will go crazy.
0: God knows what if you're you get. you just
1: literally, <laughs> like literally I walked on stage like I think the second time I walked on stage I said, "Oh crap, I forgot my material. What do you guys want to talk about?" And then one dude yelled, "Abortions!" What the ah! fuck? Look. Who, who wants to do this? <laughs> it's like
0: then they just want to abuse you. Then yeah, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're like, oh, this asshole away. thinks he
1: can live his dream? No. Let's, Watch let's this. Throw, let's throw a wrench Watch in this. what we can do. <laughs> let's throw a wrench in this.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, Do you... So how do you approach uh, rehearsal versus repetition versus trying something new? The reason I ask is because I... Sometimes we'll just get on stage and do the experiment of, I'm not really, I'm not gonna rely on material. The goal is to figure out how to be comfortable enough on stage to get into my stream of consciousness that I write jokes from. And so like, not necessarily like, I'm gonna make that happen on stage, but okay. but I'm getting on stage trying to pay attention and, and In learn to that moment. Okay. And that's kind of how I approach learning as I set up these experiments. To try and glean something from it, what does it look like for you to, to How do you take advantage of your time of repetition or rehearsal or whatever you call it?
1: Okay, basically, uh, what well, the performance? Thing I, do, I record yeah. myself, and I just uh, let's say I have the iPhone, right? I just do mm-hmm. the voice memos thing, mm-hmm. and the first thing that I listen for is, I well, when I label the when I label the recording, the first thing I do is label how many people are in the crowd. Hmm. and basically I listen and I play it like a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Like, in this joke, how many people out of this crowd of 20 did I make laugh? Interesting. And if it's more than 50%, then I keep it and I toy with it and I try to make it go over at least 70 to 80%. Hmm. To where it's funny. Like, that's basically how I do it. Plus, when I first write a joke, I only mm-hmm. write the premise
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I rift about it on stage and then once because I kind of remember everything I say whenever I riff it. But then when I write it, it's set in stone in my brain. Mm-hmm. Like I just riffed on it first and then whatever parts were funny, I pick those out and I keep it. And if I need to extend it and I feel like I can make it longer, then I just toy around with it with the crowd. And you know, I just mm-hmm. make sure that I stick to the rule. If If it doesn't make 70% of the room laugh, then I'm not gonna keep it.
0: I need to get better about that, apparently. I haven't ever thought in terms of statistics and ratios about jokes, but I was involved in a conversation again recently about uh, jokes per second. D- yeah. Does that weigh into your...
1: T- not really, because it's not my style. Like, yeah. I'm
0: not... Like, I, I, finally I think realized, I'm like you in that regard. I
1: feel like I've realized something about myself doing comedy for at least a year, yeah. is that I'm not good at pun-based humor. Yeah, I'm not good at. I'm not very good. Like I could do the setup, but I'm not good at writing the (laughs) pun. That was the messed up thing about me. Like, like I feel like my puns aren't just like one-word puns. Mm -hmm. I feel like mines are more evaluations and like more. Yeah, like the fun. You find the funny in the points of it.
0: Yeah, me too. I've been reevaluating, you know, like my life stories and trying to figure out what about them is funny and where the punchline is. And that yeah. gets really, really weird because yeah. how do you... you you're not going to change the real life story. And so yeah. how do you go in and find the pun? And so and I've just been repeating the pun, them over and, over and over and yeah. over about it.
1: And, like, it's... Like, I found out, like, it was way harder for me to write stories that were about, you know, me and my family than it was for me to just write a basic just with the setup mm-hmm. and the punch and the lifeline or whatever. Yeah. Like, I know... I, the first thing I did when I first tried to learn how to write a joke was just go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the first thing popped up was Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> like, how to write jokes. Nice. <laughs> how to write jokes. But I didn't look at it from the point of view of... Well, I, if anything, I'm a, I'm a black comic. <laughs> like I can't help... I'm a black you don't comic. don't say. I can't just write it like Jerry fucking Seinfeld. <laughs> and think it's gonna work. Like, oh, mashed potatoes. Well, what's this big black nigga talking about? Mashed potatoes. <laughs> Like I can't do that. who oh, like, so dude! I new. had I had to basically learn how to write with my own flavor to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that authentic voice. Yeah, like that, that authenticity. And
1: then I looked at uh, a couple of Patrice O'Neill interviews, where he basically said he doesn't write any of his fucking material, and I said like, okay, his strength was his authenticity and the way he was able to just be funny on demand Mm -hmm. Jerry Seinfeld's was preparation and how he was able to basically come up with a good system in which he could consistently write day to day to day to day Mm -hmm. and the one thing that I found with people is that within repetition is where you find your genius yeah so I tried to do a melding of the two Mm -hmm. in which I just write the premise you know like Patrice O'Neill like Richard Pryor But then after I riff, I record and I try to keep down, like, the exact funny points of it, like Jerry Seinfeld.
0: Yeah. I think of it as uh, that repetition, just to to really dig into this, that repetition gives you the infinite possibilities that you could plug into a scenario, like, through through the multitude of contexts... Or you've organically grown all the variations yes. of this that you could come up with, or as many of them as you care to carry yes. around. <laughs> and then, in any given context, you got the right one yeah. every time. Yeah,
1: it's like you're playing. It's like literally, like it's literally like you're playing poker with with the crowd. Yeah. Like you literally have to have your aces <laughs> that way. You can <laughs> fucking, it. Okay, y'all you know ain't feeling mean? I know this one's an here's ace. Here's the call. Whole, here's the
0: raise. Here's yeah. the boom. Bam, motherfucker. Nigger
1: Pot- baby. Bam. Pot check. <laughs>
0: Those there's are some there. of the best though, and and I'm learning to get better at, at uh, finding the stuff that really makes me giggle before I say it. Like the stuff that, and I don't remember exactly where I heard it, but somebody said, find the things that make you that, that you know make you want to share and and make you laugh, yeah. knowing that you're gonna say it. Yeah. And then that's the that's the punchline. Yeah. And that's kind of been my marker lately is finding the stuff that, because there's nothing funnier for me. Those are some of the best moments in in watching comedy is watching comedians crack themselves up on stage.
1: Yeah, that's, like, so fun. Even, even if they didn't make the crowd laugh. Oh, it <laughs> Just the fact that they love it makes oh. you laugh. Oh, it's the, because, mm. Especially when you're a comic, and oh. you have that feeling. Like, you know, like, that... Like, back when I first started, I had this joke where I worked at the fresh market. I remember a baby called me a nigger. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those jokes where eighty percent of the crowd either would laugh or zero percent would laugh. Right. When the zero percent wouldn't laugh, it would just make me burst into laugh. It would just make me burst into tears <laughs> because every time it was just a sea of white faces that wouldn't fucking laugh. <laughs> I, would, I would go fuck that. I don't care if none of you like it. I love
0: it. We're not allowed.
1: Oh no, we're not. Do it, Every time I did it in front of Black Rod they would burst out laughing.
0: <laughs> oh I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh my god. I uh I wonder what I would be. I would definitely laugh, but I can I can empathize with confused people. Yeah. Especially growing up in Mobile and that's why when I hear people talk about their you know people that don't understand how visceral and real the problem of racism is in america it's like i grew up in mobile alabama like you have no yeah, you idea have no what you're clue. talking about
1: you have no clue when i hear some social sjw just when i see when are some fucking snowflake mm. come up to me mm. and he says i know i don't see what the problem is i just don't see color i just no. look at you and i said then what color is your shirt you dipshit <laughs> like what <laughs> It's such a like, lie Like how do you not See the institutional Racism Like in this country Like, my, like my, I love my head. cousin to death I love my cousin to death But this little But he had this guy Come up with him Like during uh, During Mardi Gras mm-hmm. He had He brought up To his friends To show his friends Like you know Like what Mardi Gras is all about mm-hmm. And like how it started In Mobile And one of his friends He said he I don't know if he was drunk I don't know if he's just A dipshit He said Well the first thing About it, you need to know him, I, mean, I don't think Uh Uh I don't think racism is real. Oh, God.
0: And
1: I said, oh, then you must think Martin Luther King isn't real. What is... <laughs> like, what were we fighting for then?
0: Yeah, none of that ever happened.
1: Oh, so we just felt like not peeing in a shit toilet. <laughs> <laughs> is that, like, I just mm. don't get... Uh, it's, it's. I feel like it's just... It's just the spread of ignorance.
0: Yeah. It makes me... It ties into a question I've been talking about for a couple of days now, uh, which... I guess it started on Thursday. Yeah. Was contemplating the the question of social norms and self-regulation. You know, the do as I say, not as I do. We want there to be norms. We want there to be a status quo. Yeah. And we want these norms to be enforced. But we don't want them to apply to us. True. So, I wonder to what extent... That plays into people just not being able to accept the the reality, or, or just to
1: me, if you can't comprehend the fact that there's somebody else different than you that's having a different experience in life than you, yeah, you are a dipshit. Like how? I'm
0: sorry. How has it gotten that far? I had had a conversation with a lady last night who tried to start in on the the feelings thing, you know, to. People are too concerned about their feelings. And it's like, well, okay, you say that from a place of feeling, so you don't know, like, it's a non-starter that you don't know what you're talking about.
1: Like, Your base here is coming from feelings. Right, it's kind of like, how you exist. That's <laughs> like trying to plant a tree. That's like, that's like trying to plant a tree, and you say, that's going to be a good tree, but you use quicksand as the yeah, dirt. Right, like, that's
0: not... Right. and plants love electrolytes. <laughs> exactly. It some Gatorade. Exactly. Oh,
1: God, that's how idiocracy fucking started.
0: <laughs> hey, we are there, man. We are there. I think but, we're already there. But that ties, so to go real big, big picture, um, and I, if you don't want to discuss politics, we don't have to, but from... Dude, uh, no,
1: I'm totally into politics.
0: <laughs> so so this, whole, uh, this whole teenage kids' movement thing, I think it's yeah. way bigger than gun control, and I think one of the things that's happening right now is the point of the spear has been coalesced against an actual enemy which is going which is an enemy that can be replicated over and over and over again. So the youth has gone against this whole we want to be safe in our schools. We've gone after gun control, but then the NRA made the mistake of being the corporate entity that stood up. And yeah. so now we have teenagers versus corporations. And that gets fun in twenty years. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of my big picture take on, on all You're gonna see all
1: those NRA ads before every Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's gonna be. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna get interesting. It's gonna get interesting because it's Twilight, um,
1: New Moon, sponsored by the NRA, <laughs> sponsored by Mossberg. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> I'm protect my oh, kids from them
1: vampires.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons that I think we're going to get past this gun thing real quick. Because it's way... The bigger win is not the gun control. And I don't think these high school kids... Understand have, that. And, well, and they don't have any like, interest not, in guns. Like, they're way after corporations, I think, at this point. I'm exactly hoping it. that's where we're going to go. What are your thoughts on all that? In terms of the teenagers going up against
1: the corporations? Oh, no, I just on not what, what do you see what, happening? What, like, what level is, do you watch it on? What I'm seeing is... White kids are actually wising up more than their fucking parents because for me, as a black dude in this country, I don't see shit ever get done unless it affects a white person. Like That's, that's how, so sad. That's how I feel. Shit oh. doesn't happen unless it affects a white person oh. or unless a white person brings it to light. because keep it real, to keep it G, like if you really it's look the at the, it's, this is a white man's nation. It really is. Like, if you look at the different races, the different ethnicities that we have here, why people outnumber us, like, ten to one? <laughs> so, for so real, for, I see, what I really see is, uh, teenagers are finally fed up with this whole, they're finally fed up with the bullshit. <laughs> like it, I think so. I a think lot so. of people see this as, oh, this is a gun control. This is this is in terms of gun control. Why hasn't our parents done this? Why are people against this? It's because people get tired of corporate bullshit.
0: Yeah, and this goes back to the do as I say, not as I do. We exactly. want there to be norms, they just don't want to apply exactly. to us. And did now see all the these video, kids are like,
1: That's did you see the, the video of that guy who uh, basically during like the, this giant PTA meeting, like he brought like a Swiss Army knife. He said, this is a knife. What are you gonna do to me now? <laughs> and even though like all of the teenagers in there were like, that's not right, you pulled a knife on a teenager. You completely missed the point. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, that little and that little girl freaked out on him and he You completely
1: yeah. missed the point. Mm-hmm. This
0: man is able to bring a weapon
1: into your school easily. <laughs> yeah. Easily. For me, I feel like if you really want if you really want to get rid of this entire situation, there's only three there's only real three. There's only three real solutions to this. Get What's rid going? of the influences that the NRA can have on the U.S. government, because that's where it all trickles the fuck down from.
0: Yep, yep. Two, do not arm teachers.
1: <laughs> have a security guard. You have teachers fighting teenagers already.
0: Have you met you wanna, teachers? Do you want to get them guns? <laughs> Really, the, the least paid people in the country that have to deal with the biggest assholes exactly. on a daily basis. Exactly. Do not give them guns. You think training Miss Libidowisk for like two weeks on how to use
1: a Mossberg is gonna sell? It's gonna save anyone?
0: Oh. She's no. gonna
1: shoot the brownest thing <laughs> she fucking sees.
0: It'll be bad. It'll be <laughs> like, bad.
1: Like the third answer. The third answer is trying to enforce. Is trying to enforce a more socially aware and conscious classes into our educational system. The real problem the real problem that I see with the entire thing with school shootings are the social norms that are allowed like in schools. Yeah. They basically teach you to corner the weird kid and completely demolish him. And then and as history has shown when you corner a white boy ain't nothing good gonna come out of that shit. (laughs) So you're gonna
0: Oh man. <laughs> Whenever
1: I see a school shooting, I'm like, okay, this is just history all over or mass shooting. When you find out that the kid, when you find out that the dude who was shooting everybody up was also a weird kid that got picked on in fucking high school.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um Pause for a second. I wonder about the uh I wonder about how that's going to play out more and more because it's already starting to come into question how uh, the terminology that's getting thrown on these these white kids that they're, are perpetrating these crimes versus... Oh, they're just troubled youth. Right? They're it's just troubled youth so, it's when so any unbalanced. other
1: race is just a fucking terrorist. Right? <laughs> they really? Don't, they
0: don't even pull the punch. Really? But the, they, they're so reticent to come clean and just call a spade a spade and say this kid is a terrorist like anybody wielding a firearm through high school is a terrorist They will, so how
1: how do they, they not go there they will not go there and they will not do I don't, it that's what because I don't if understand anything that the United States is going to do is going to protect this little white ass from ever getting persecuted for anything bad going on and I
0: think like that's that. where these high school kids are like we've had enough of this shit yeah. like, what, what is the rule, like is. what is the standard you have to really
1: call it like it is like, you know that guy that went into the church and shot up those, uh, shot up that, uh, that black guy.
0: Those people chased him.
1: Yeah. They chased him. And they, they fed him Burger King after they caught him.
0: I remember that.
1: They fed him fucking Burger King. Yeah. The police, that's, you know what? I stopped, I've been stopped fucking with the police. But after they did that, no. Let me tell you something, man. I stopped fucking with the police. <laughs> when I was 10 years old. (laughs) Oh, oh, what happened? And the cops saw me getting chased by a dog and didn't do a goddamn thing about it. Saw my little chubby ass running from a dog. What? (laughs) Exactly. And he just... And he just sat there just laughing.
0: Oh, "Oh." no. Rule number one, don't be a dick.
1: That's when I just automatically said, "I cops ain't got my interest at heart. Fuck them all. (laughs) What?
0: I wonder about that when I see these cops driving past people broken down on the interstate. Like, where? What, so My which? taxes
1: ain't paying for you, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's why.
0: Andy Griffith would not.
1: No, never.
0: Plus, it after makes I learned the wonder.
1: history of where sheriffs and the police department came from, oh dear Jesus Christ!
0: Uh, it's all part of the institution. Do you the, know the, how the, we, how it came to be? Framework. Uh, I know the marshals are part of the paper-hanging Secret Service going after money-launderers on a federal level, but the, yep. the sheriffs were were kind of like the lords, if you take the English analogy. The sheriffs were the, the lords, and they administered some form of civil something or other, and constables, cops, are just fucking nothing. And like, have very, very little authority. That's, that's my rudimentary understanding. Please elaborate.
1: For black people, <laughs> <laughs> cops, <laughs> cops, we, were, if you really want to look into this to the history of sheriffs and most cops in most counties, mm-hmm. then look into their historical lore when it comes to uh, the slavery era. Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: back during the 1400s, mm-hmm. 1500s, sheriffs were only implemented. When it came into the, uh, I don't want to say wrangling, but they came into effect whenever you wanted to say, go find a slave or go get a slave. They're basically the dogs of the slave owners. And that was in the South. I don't know about everywhere else, but in the South, cops did not uphold justice. Mm -hmm. They were not for the people. Mm -hmm. They were only for the rich and for the white man that own land. So if you sense. wanna take, and if you wanna take that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and use that for the public, you already have a base
0: of bullshit. Of course, of course. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine educates me on this stuff all the time, and, and it goes directly to claim law. Like, you, there has to be a complainant, and if you are not a full and proper citizen, and you have no right to make a claim, which means means a constable would never. You don't care one about what you got to say. Don't care either
1: or what the fucking guy says. Right, say. <laughs> like you and are who way are the down main list. ones that didn't have a goddamn thing?
0: <laughs> yes, there were uh, there were plenty. That's one of the big shams, though that uh, that there. Were and how how all the poor white people got sold on the fact that they were somehow better than the black poor people. Just blows my mind. Just like the manipulation of ignorance. Yeah, man. there's a guy named Thomas Weiss. If anybody wants to go do some, hear some really interesting perspective on, on, uh, on race historically. Like he takes the hardcore side of, this is all a big sham to divide and conquer that really we've been sold a is. whole bunch of crap. It
1: really is. If anything, I feel like the true problem in the United States isn't racism. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 Marxism. Yes, yeah, really want to look mm-hmm. at it it's the, the, it's the fact that the well. too much money and too much power are given to the rich and the wealthy mm-hmm. and the laws that are being implemented help them but hinder us and you see that whenever we do start to begin to address that issue some new bullshit about race or some new bullshit about gun laws or gun patrol that's distraction, distraction. <laughs> like you give you a small issue that way it distracts you from the bigger issue and they're able to do this and implement this through the miseducation. Education. It comes back to st- education. It all starts, like for me, it all really starts at your educational system. Some of the best countries in the world, like such as, I would say Japan, Denmark, and Finland. Mm. Those are the top three for me whenever it comes to education because they take a free form and thinking approach mm-hmm. because they put their children ahead of everything else and they invest in them because they're an asset.
0: I uh, agree with that. I wonder, uh, the how little or, or how we have disenfranchised the asset of the wisdom of the aged, and how maybe we have disenfranchised them a little bit too I don't I don't dis, I don't disagree enough to say that we shouldn't consider children an asset but I, I think I think that those are two very similar things and I was talking earlier with someone about education on how we could, get to a better education platform where everyone has access to education. My idea includes kind of a free form included in the Parks and Protections Act. Yeah. What is your, What does your solution for that look like? For me, it's funding and underpaying.
1: Like, if you really look at it, yeah. if you look at a public school, mm-hmm. which are predominantly black, they're extremely underfunded, the teachers are underpaid, nobody wants to be there. You look at private schools, they're completely funded, predominantly white, mm-hmm. and they have the best technology and everybody wants to be there. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do when you have 80% of a school that doesn't want to be there, that are misinformed and are basically projected into being miseducated yeah. while you have
0: these other people that are educated and told that these people are dipshits? Which is ridiculous because then if you look at the numbers that test out over Ivy League schools versus everybody else. The top 40, the top 400 candidates or the top 400 test results never come from the Ivy League schools. Nope. <laughs> so, well, who's
1: paying and for what? That's the sad thing about it is because these private schools were completely based off of, like, here goes the thing for me. It was based off of racism to mm-hmm. keep white kids educated and keep them informed and black people basically having to form their own schools and having to do their own thing, public schools, while being underfunded. Once the government caught wind of this, they used the racism to divide and conquer. Yeah. That's what I truly believe. Like, if you really want to look at how things are, it's always because people are divided and are opposing each other over an issue such as racism that can easily be resolved with the education.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, and it works so easily, and it's so sad. The but,
1: answer is simple, and it's easy, except that, basically, we've been fattened up to stupid, we've been fattened up and stupefied by corporate, <laughs> like, for me, that's just the thing. We're the most obese country, dude. We've let corporations take over everything. hmm Everything.
0: For dollars that have no value. we
1: I believe America's already sold its soul. To soul. Like, a long soul. time ago, long It's, time it's ago. long ago.
0: I think uh, I think that happened about thirty years ago. It, at the very least, the first nail in the coffin was the personhood of corporations in the nineties. Like that was that was the beginning of the end. Like you can't let a corporation. Have the rights of an individual. That's the dumbest thing. To me, after you can
1: let of. corporations come up with holidays in fucking America, that's how you so know dumb. we are fuck.
0: Scientology. That's how you know the corporations have taken over. We exactly. have we have corporate religions. Oh, dude. We have we have cor- corporations that are religions, and some of them that don't even claim to be like fucking Apple. Like, to me,
1: Apple's one of the Mac most smacking
0: PC. There's, they're all they're the
1: literally the same software. We're dipping skins on them.
0: I don't know enough about it to get into it. I know I had less problems with my Mac than with my PC, but I'm doing watching a while less porn now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it might have something to do with it.
1: Oh dear God. Because you don't want to ruin that $500 laptop. That's the only reason why. Don't blame Matt because you're a cheap fuck. That's why. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah, but we, like, mostly let corporate, mostly let different corporations take control of different aspects of our day-to-day lives. That's when we really lost it.
0: Turn on some air conditioning. I keep listening to that air conditioning and not having air conditioning. It it weirds you out. And uh, and I'm making an executive decision. Yeah. I feel like we'll have more viewers if we have air conditioning. Boss move. (laughs) Not at all. We're just. uh, I would put this over here, but I don't want it in your way. We have. Yeah, uh, dude, it's cool. We have eclipsed the half hour mark, which uh, Facebook can never hang as long as. as My stamina is just too good for Facebook. It is. It really is. way too good yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, but I try and keep the keep an eye on the comments cuz they'll come up from time to time so if anybody, uh, if anybody in, a lot of people hear these things on the replay and I forget why I was gonna mention that but oh uh, because I press the button thing and that's usually my cue to talk about plugs and getting in touch with all the stuff that you do what yeah. what else besides stand-up comedy i mean today is a sunday sundays in mobile I mean mary widow open mic uh so we're hanging out before that happens but if people want to catch up and uh and see you do the do oh follow me on facebook i upload videos
1: about my comedy all the time uh, yeah uh,
0: yeah gavin Randall. Did i have not seen any of your videos really? i gotta go look and no, they're yeah, on dude, your facebook yeah dude they're like they're, yeah the but that was like in the beginning when I first started oh I gotta go looking okay oh, I thought you were talking about like, like yesterday I, say,
1: I like, I made an oath to myself when I first started like for the first two years that I do comedy I'm going to strictly work on me and work on my material mhm that way when I actually do start recording myself, I'm like leagues ahead. Mm -hmm. Like I've already taken so many notes and so many videos of myself. Right now I'm just trying to edit them all together and like basically come up with, not videos of just, like I've seen too many comics just put videos of themselves up doing like five minutes and they're only getting like two or three giggles. Mm. I want to put videos of myself up there where I'm getting like 15 just crushing the crowd. Right. But mainly I've been working like even though I am a comic, I feel like I really want to get into the animation game. Really? Yeah, I really do. I have really big ideas whenever it comes to animation or short film.
0: I feel like you should be talking to Joey Livingston right now. <laughs> yes, like dude, I came I actually came up this
1: is copyrighted by the way, so don't you fuck or steal this. <laughs> I came up I've been writing this script and I already got like uh I already got a season and a half down.
0: Sweet. Don't um, get too much of a way. This does go to iTunes. I I don't I don't want anybody It's called a car- it's a cartoon called Under the Ant Hill. That's all I'm gonna tell you. Oh, there you go. That's your <laughs> teaser. That's your trailer. That's my That's little teaser.
1: Teaser. It's called Under the Ant Hill. I already got a season and a half down mm-hmm. and basically it's just a deep in depth look of how human society affects not only just just me and you as human beings, but affects the entire planet. And it's told through the point of view of ants. <laughs>
0: I like this. I like this. I've been pondering kids' children's books. Uh, oh, this is not children. This is not for children at all. Oh, this is like <laughs> oh, a Big Mouth. God.
1: Yeah. Imagine Big
0: Mouth mixed with Rick and Morty mixed with regular show. Dude, Rick and Morty, I haven't turned that shit up lately. Yeah, I am loving it. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of existential crisis. Ah, there's a lot of existential crisis. And, like The first episode oh, is man. literally about... Uh, them discovering that humans exist and fighting sexuality throughout that.
0: (laughs) That, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm (laughs) in. That sounds fun. Oh, yeah. That sounds real fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I'm looking for voice actors right now, too. Uh, hello.
0: Yeah, no, dude, don't worry,
1: I got you. I already got you.
0: I already got you. Good. Excellent.
1: But I've been talking to Joey. I've mainly been trying to get... You know, just get really cool joy that way, you know, he can maybe guide me in the direction that sure. i to take it. Because that's the first material that I want out whenever, you know, I really made that transition into really putting myself out there. Like, right now, I've just been practicing and just trying to get my reps down mm-hmm. and really at least getting a nugget of what I am together. Because mm-hmm. I was just all over the fucking place in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that, and that was after I filmed myself and I really looked and I said... I don't want to put this out there because... Not because it's not that I don't believe in myself or I don't believe that it's funny. I feel like it's just not me.
0: Ah, yeah. Just doesn't feel genuine.
1: Just doesn't feel genuine enough. And I see too many comics that just fuck themselves over that way. Yeah. Like, they say, hey, take a look at my video. Hey, take a look at this. You literally almost just copied an Eddie Griffin Griffin bit verbatim. And you're lucky you're not being... Fucking! you lucky you don't have to pay dues to this nigga.
0: Self-editing is one of the things that I wish people would do more of. Like yes. I didn't realize how wind. Like I knew I was a windbag, but oh my goodness! <laughs> when people narrate to me now, yes. Yes. I want to slap somebody. Yes. Like oh goodness, just I looked at somebody the other day. I was like, stop telling me stories. Tell me what you think about fucking anything.
1: Yes. It's like, it gets to the point to where is there any genuineness about you whatsoever? (laughs) Or are you gonna sit here and use your material
0: on me the entire
1: fucking time? Like,
0: I missed line, page two of your resume. Can you go back and repeat page two (laughs) of your resume? Please. Yeah, dude,
1: it gets nuts. It gets I think that goes
0: better with the IPA I ordered. (laughs)
1: Like, even though I love some of the comics around here in Mobile, like, I love... The comedy scene in Mobile to me is is real alternative, and yeah, it really so. prepare it really prepares me for the different type of weird shit that I'm gonna have to get into when I know I really take this journey and have to go like go on the road and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Not only are the is the crowd alternative, but the fucking comics are alternative. Like I like I didn't I never consider myself a social guy, yeah. really. But then once I actually took those steps through the blind mule and actually talked to a couple of the comments, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like the jacker compared to these motherfuckers. <laughs> like, some of them. And I love some of my comments, depth, But, like, seriously, you have to stop some of them. You have to stop some of them mid-conversation. Like, look, I'm walking away. I'm going away. Stop pulling me back in and talk about another bit. I'm going away
0: now. Oh, goodness. I've met some. I've met some. Uh, some not so savvy people in in public. I mean, I remember I've had to. I stopped and explained gestures and body language like this lady didn't get it and so i stopped her and i said okay see how my shoulders are oriented towards you right now yes. and we went through the whole thing of my hips my my steps are moving away yeah. from you like yeah. these are all yeah. indications these are body language. <laughs> this is
1: body language indicating that Whoa. i am walking away from you <laughs> and, and like you have so hard. like pensacola as much as i love my pensacola fam y'all got it so fucking hard because like y'all got the military even though pensacola is like a military town Is a military and completely ass-backwards white folks town. Like, I shit you not. I shit you not, Joe. The first set I've ever did, like, in Pensacola, I literally watched a guy throw up on the bar and argue argue to a lady about her being pregnant. Ah! I shit you not. Like, that was... It was so fucked up. Pensacola. Like, I was like, Pensacola. I love Pensacola so much. Like, shout out to Graham. Shout out to Tony Brickhead. Shout out to, uh, Ryan, <coughs> to Ryan Pfeiffer Those guys are really funny. Like, they really hold it. And Olivia, seriously, she's funny as shit, too. Yes, she is. And, like, they basically warned me at first. <laughs> they were like, all right, Gavin, like, before you go up on the stage, just chill with the white folks jokes a little bit. <laughs> 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 then Ryan, even he came to me. Like, at first, when I first met Ryan, I could tell he had this look like, No, he's going to get torn apart. (laughs) When I went out there and I did my set, I did relatively well. And then I came out and talked to Ryan. He said, yeah, you're going to do all right. (laughs) You're going to do all right, man. You just got to make sure that, you know, you just address the crowd, really. And, like, I learned from Ryan, like, you really have to learn how to read a crowd. Mm -hmm. And you got to learn how to use what you got to make them laugh. Like, you have to use your material to go fishing and find that thing that reels the fish in, you feel me? Mm-hmm. And like but that's what I love my Piscicola family. fam. are like I thought Mobile was alternative. Those guys are just weird as fuck. <laughs>
0: like, I feel like it's just I, weird as fuck. I, I feel like I fit in just just as much.
1: Toya free. Oh my god, that's do a gr- we, that's a funny ass grown lady. Do man. we
0: need to get them back here in the back seat? If you want to. <laughs> I'd have to clean out the back seat. Well, if you got weed, she has, she has this thing as well. She has this thing. This thing. We uh, we just can't do do that on, on Facebook. Ah, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. God yeah. damn you, Mark Zuckerberg! I know. Ooh, speaking of which, the with. Him
1: giving, all, oh, giving away your information?
0: Yeah, did you hear about oh, all that? Oh,
1: my God. You, you guys not didn't that know that?
0: Not it's new. Oh, come on. But Niggas, you know they knew that. About.
1: We were getting arrested on fucking Facebook. We but knew that know,
0: shit. But you know what I'm talking about. They, they're coming after him. Like, did you see the stock tanking? Yeah. After the, the, what, the analytical thing, the Cambridge analytics? Okay, listen. But he got called up in front of Parliament. That's That was the unique thing to me. Yeah. Like, Parliament don't go fucking around.
1: No. If you get called up by parliament, that basically means that they're saying, okay, even though you got some privileges, you're abusing them, motherfucker." Right. <laughs> like, like, we need to talk oh. to you. All right. We need to talk to you. <laughs> you're using your privileges that don't help other whites. Now you need...
0: Yeah. <laughs> like the only thing worse than a come to Jesus meeting is a come, come to, to Queenie to parliament, meeting. Parliament. <laughs> God. Oh God. Oh, you, you see those in...
1: powder white wig fuckers? <laughs> They're mm. coming after you.
0: They're you, coming after you. When all you can do is cough and sneeze, is just powder in the air. And <laughs> <laughs> like, a ooh. P- uh, fifth. <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> what was that? I,
0: I believe that. The fifth? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You see how no nigga ever came to Parliament and made it back out alive, man. Like, a son sweat God. I swear to never God. Happened. You never seen never. it. If OJ would have had to do his trial of Parliament, that nigga would be dead. Get the, if the glove don't fit, no, OJ. No. That no, interview that
0: they released yeah. that, that just came out, like, Yo, that would have been OJ
1: would have been behind bars getting butt fucked by someone.
0: <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I Some I Mike even...
1: Tyson-looking motherfucker. I swear to God, you're gonna be my wife. I'm gonna kiss you tenderly. <laughs> put Tell this Kool-Aid a... on your lips. Tell is me how
0: the... tight that glove is
1: <laughs> Put the put this put this Kool-Aid on your lips. <laughs> hold my pocket. Oh, hold, hold my, my pocket. pocket. <laughs> Cause booty is life. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah, dude. Goodness. You ain't never seen a nigga Go to Parliament and make it out alive <laughs> like that shit. Nah, man. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh,
0: I can remember. I can. I was at WP Davidson High School the uh, the day of the OJ verdict. I don't even and, remember uh, it. It was a half day. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, right. we didn't. do shit. Hey, after you
1: that. guys, uh, get home before the blacks get out. Go, <laughs> because for me, for me, the whole thing, like, okay, for all the white people on Facebook, mm-hmm. we know he did it. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted at least one win we wanted at least one win like yeah, we already saw the rodney king situation a black win in
0: a white court we wanted, we wanted
1: we wanted to at least know do we have a one percent chance of getting out some shit right and once oj made it we said oh thank you jesus <laughs> like we we just we were just it, it was a time in america when we were just taking l after L after yeah. L with the social justice system with the government with and every with every aspect of black life it seemed as if everything was stacked against us but then we got this premier athlete being accused of a crime right and basically uh, he no lie like he swindled the fuck out of the black community oh yeah and he was like he tried to win us over to his side and we said we ain't got shit else to root for right now.
0: The Cubs ain't gonna fucking make it. Like we got we we need a win. <laughs> well and you had OJ Simpson, the juice, versus third string public attorneys. Yeah. So, if he'd have lost, yeah. if the black community had yeah. lost to third string attorneys. If we attorneys, had lost to the third string, we... We quit.
1: We would have just ride it all across the nation, bro.
0: <laughs> and we're not playing anymore.
1: Exactly. Route. Because white folks get scared when anything brown gets mad. Like, that's just... Even the good. toilet. Even the toilet. <laughs> like, like, dude, like, yo, it, we just wanted to win. <laughs> we knew OJ could be that win. Right. But Just here's where he head. really fucked up. When you said, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Yeah. When he said that oh, shit. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. When he said that shit, that's when his... That's when it went right down the tank. Like, I know the FX stories. You know, like, you with know, Cuba Gun Jr., he plays as OJ. And, like, it shows, like, at the very end of the season that uh, even though he won, they showed them like, at this big party at his house, all of his real friends disowned him. His family wasn't really fucking... Whatever. Listen... It did not happen back then. It happened right after he got on television and said, "I'm not black. I'm
0: O.J." Mm.
1: Every nigga in that room stopped fucking with him.
0: We're like, "Oh, really?
1: Oh, see how that? Oh, so you're not black? Cool, O.J. All right, that is all good. (laughs) You are not about to get a dime out of us because that's where most of your money was coming from, motherfucker. We was buying all your merch Buying all your jerseys Buying all of your Game time videos Now you ain't got shit Cause white folks You already murdered One of the white folks So ain't none of them Gonna fuck
0: with you You murdered both of your bases You just killed Both of your chances <laughs> Like God.
1: You see this man Had to go And steal back Some of his own merch You see this shit Right He got busted
0: he got In a busted. Las Vegas hotel room Trying to steal back His, his own, own merchandise Oh shit that it got sold on Amazon or something? Yes. Yeah, That's
1: how it. you know niggas ain't fucking with you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. How? the we, I can't even imagine a life where it comes to, all right, guys, I got my memorabilia. Got underbid. <laughs> We're going to go to Vegas. We're going to armed robbery. We're going to try to steal back our shit. <laughs> yeah. Just think of it like it's a train. Like how dumb does that store? I can't even pretend. Here's the thing. Here's the thing.
1: I really hope that when they caught him, that they found a glove. Like, <laughs> like, the, like he said. Like no, like he wanted them to find it. like he <laughs> wanted. Like, <laughs> I gotta spark it up again. <laughs> he planted his he own, planted own glove. His own glove. Like, and then you see the guy who was about to help him. Like, I feel like he had a sidekick that, that was had to help semen him. on him. You're like, Why like... is there... And he was trying to rationalize all of this. <laughs> <laughs> you just see OJ sitting there. He says, what are you doing, OJ? Why are you putting on a glove? But it doesn't fit. Why are you trying to put on a glove that's not trying to fit, OJ? He said, I need a new career. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to shove it on his hand. <laughs> a lot of black are going to think I'm wrong for making fun of OJ like that. But... Fuck him. Ever since he said, I'm not black I'm not shit.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, ever since I s- the Dave Chappelle, you know, the third time I saw, the f- the three times I saw OJ, and the third time, you're <laughs> like, no, my reputation not can't my survive. My reputation can't can. hit this
1: hit. My <laughs> reputation can't take this hit.
0: <laughs> it was him and Eddie Griffin. Oh, <laughs> my mean, God. <laughs> I want to ask you a
1: question. All right. Now, you're pretty, like, I love, I love your comedy for the fact that no matter... What kind of set you do? I always learn something after yeah. you fucking do a set.
0: I'm a huge dork. I
1: always learn something after you do it. I feel like you're a <coughs> Bill Nye of comedy. Like you're kind of yeah. like a Bill Nye of comedy. As if you're way more political or philosophical. Like, oh, And you and you seem like a pretty woke white boy. So I wanted to ask Thank you. You, Thank you, like, the three top celebrities, mm-hmm. your three top black comics,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what are your top three? What? Why would you want to meet them? Like, Who are your top three? And why would you want to meet them?
0: uh we could talk about Pryor all day long uh for besides
1: prior uh, he's just everybody
0: he's, yeah he's
1: everybody but he's a god of comedy
0: yeah and and so so that's a must because his relationship with gene wilder yeah. his experiences the ability that someone like him has to be so much larger than life because all he's doing is being himself. Like, that is an awesome fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. So I would want to hear that story. Anybody you can put in that same category, I want to hear that story. Um, now, after that, where would I go? Uh, Red Fox is a must. Yeah,
1: dude, Red Fox.
0: Uh, and then, <laughs> He was
1: just a pioneer, man.
0: Yeah, he was, yeah, he was. And then <sighs> hmm there are lots um nice I came one. I came up with with a, f- a few of the the very famous notable names that obviously be very influential uh, in my life since they were you know my contemporaries yeah uh, you know they, they were doing their thing while I was watching not that I knew what the fuck I was watching, but you know, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get it, but I was there. I feel you. I feel you. Uh, so I would have to choose carefully on... Uh, on more... Just more than the one... The last
1: one is always the hardest one.
0: Yeah, because you, I want to cover as much ground as possible, and I, but I don't want to misrepresent, and I don't want to not pay due respect. But I think... Personally, from a biggest influence standpoint, I could go back and recite more of Eddie Murphy's material than anybody else. True. Not on that list. True. So, I I think I have to give it to to, to Eddie Murphy because with all the Beverly Hills Cop stuff that there was going on when I was coming up, yeah. He was uh, he was someone I learned from because he was out there doing it, fucking doing it wild, man. Yeah. So those would be those would be my. Uh, so you got My one, top three.
1: You got one of my top three. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, hey, that's some Eddie pretty Murphy. good fucking crossover. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was like one of my ones. That's, that's some decent crossover. I was going to do Eddie Murphy, Patrice, and Paul Mooney. Yeah, yeah. Patrice for me, I got into Patrice through the o show. Nice. Uh Through Opie and Anthony uh, back on, when when I first started on XM. And I fucking loved Patrice, man. I found was Patrice awesome. an elephant in the room. Like, What's no, that? No, elephant in the room. What's that?
1: His comedy special. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, comedy Central. I don't think I've ever seen that one. It's a good one. Oh, dude. Yeah. Sorry, I just realized that uh, YouTube wasn't recording. They might have missed that. Hey, YouTube, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we were getting into it. I forgot to push a button. Uh, so, Elephant in the Room, Patrice O'Neal, what year did that come out? I forgot. Just I think was like reference.
1: 2000 seven wow
0: so I was I was still not woke yeah Uh, I was still not utterly enlightened I didn't really well I I, feel like you was one of those couple folks that (coughs) was woke since you came out the womb like in different ways in different ways Uh, like from the perspective of performing stand up comedy that's all new to me I've only been doing this for about eight months a little less than a year um, really? Yeah, but being a public okay, speaker... I've this for
1: like three or four years.
0: Thank you. Yeah. But being a public speaker, I've done for a while. Uh, it kind of plays into some of the things that I'm good at. I've always been a philosopher, and uh, I definitely fall somewhere on the spectrum and had a bunch of people around me as a child who cared very much and tried very hard but didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. See,
1: I've always wondered so, what the life of a philosopher would be. Because I always wondering how the fuck did you guys make money? You don't. No. Nah. And that's the, but that's one of the most respectable things about a philosopher, because like even though you don't make money, but what you earn here, is priceless. Like, <laughs> but
0: that's what this is, is: is sitting around and discussing, uh, you know, discussing hypotheses and, and talking about yeah. how we came to understand what we what we understand. That's kind of one of the subtext of what truth, love, and peace is. It's part of a big theory that I wrote once upon a time. Um, so, not too woke. Just woke enough. But in 2007, I was still doing uh, undergrad. I had just gone back to school nice. for my undergrad. So I would What's have heard name? Patrice on XM. Communication theory.
1: Nice. Yeah. I was a communication minor. Hell yeah. TV and news writing.
0: You realized how insignificant English. that was then. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> If no. I could go back, I would have just went and like fucking went to Huntington and learned how to work in a factory or some shit. Oh
0: man. I went on to grad school and studied rhetorical studies. The Jesus. philosophy of communication. is what I call it. Rhetoric. Jesus Christ. All day long. You can call me Compton. I only look like I only look like White Jesus. Uh <laughs>
1: Oh God! To me, you always look like if Jesus became a science teacher. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Jesus became a science. Teacher. And Russ always look To me, Russ is like the most accurate depiction of Jesus because he was short. Yeah. He <laughs> like, was he's spot got on. the Jesus like. Like if anything, he's he should have. If anything, Russ should have been on the Passion. Like that's what. <laughs> Not to say to kill you, Russell. Russell Douglas, love you to
0: death, man. But if
1: anything, Russ should have been on the Passion of the Christ.
0: I can get behind that I because
1: because the camera adds a little bit of a brown tint to people. and He would have been the mm-hmm. perfect nice little. You'd have thought Russell is like I, I think he's a purebred white. He? Like,
0: <laughs> he definitely looks it. <laughs> he definitely looks it. But I've only ever seen him at night in yeah. a dark bar.
1: Yeah, like I think he's I think he's just a purebred white. But but I feel like he would have given off that that exotic vibe.
0: Where everybody was like,
1: "Oh, Jesus was Middle Eastern. Well, yeah, he yeah. was well,
0: he was there at the time." <laughs> See, Russell has the curly hair. I have the long straight hair. I'm a yeah. lot more like your A Jesus. wizard. No, I'm not really that Jesus. No, no, not I'm hallmark. I'm way more wizard, like old like Chinaman, thin beard. I
1: feel like if anything, mm. you'd probably be like Gandalf's cousin or some shit like that. Like, you'd be Gandalf's cousin, and he would come to you, and you would be the guy that would be smoking the crystals and the mushrooms in the woods, right? And talking about philosophy and
0: learning how to manipulate the trees. Right. I'm Gandalf's hookup. True! Like True! that's... I'm the cousin that Gandalf comes to for special tricks. Also, Where do you think he got all those fireworks? Exactly. Ah, the pyrotechnics. <laughs> exactly! Exactly.
1: Here goes the, and also, I never fucked with Lord of the Rings or Hogwarts, or that <laughs> entire universe. And if anybody's listening, and we're friends, I'm sorry. Fuck Hogwarts and fuck Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't dig it. I can't dig it. Not my, I can't, it. My mom tried to make me read like the Harry Potter series at first. I read two pages and put it down. Mm. Because for me, I can literally tell from the first two pages, ain't not a lickin' nigga gonna be on this book. Ain't <laughs>
0: gonna be on this book. Where are the black people in Middle Earth? That's the thing I'm trying to figure out. (laughs) Ooh, I I feel really guilty for not noticing this until now. (laughs) Exactly. But I'm glad I caught it. I don't remember.
1: All these mystical elves that can use bows, arrows, and spears. Not one of them look like a black person. All
0: right. You want to steal steal the
1: weapons and the culture, but you don't want to use the people.
0: (laughs) I think that's a swing and a miss. Speaking of uh, weapons and culture, Ruin Black Panther for me.
1: I haven't seen black it yet. Panther
0: for you? I haven't seen it yet. Tell me, tell me all about it. Like, I feel like Black
1: Panther was dope as shit. Yeah, yeah. Black Panther. There's a was good chance a good... I'm not gonna
0: get to see it. So, for for me who who may not get to see it in theaters, right. one you lucked out. And for people out. that kind of want to hear,
1: one you lucked out because I didn't go see Black Panther as just as a black person. I wanted to go see it as a nerd because I. <laughs> I Black Panther is in my top five upper rational line of superheroes. Like, that's. Oh. Like, I was following Black Panther before it was even thought oh, of good. to become a movie. So, first of all, good job, Marvel. You portrayed each character right. Besides. Killmonger. All right. Killmonger probably the main villain and probably one of the greatest villains of the marvel universe that they have so far because in the marvel universe most of their villains are kind of like lackluster like the only one that was really noticeable was loki and ask anybody to name any other villain on the marvel universe like say the avengers or iron man 3 or iron man 2 can't name a goddamn one (laughs) but you know who Eric Killmonger is. <laughs> like, they betrayed him so well, and I love the way that uh, Michael B. Jordan did him, mm-hmm. because he personified really, to me, that black anger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, the anger in which most African Americans feel on the day-to-day basis because they lost someone due to like a social injustice or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, but if you really want me to Do you want me to break down the movie for you? Or do you you want me to, like, philosophically look into it and tell you each aspect that I found within it?
0: Well, I'll tell you the follow-up question to this. is going to be, what do you think about the history that's coming out of South Africa that points to, for example, uh, the stone structures in places like Great Zimbabwe that puts history in South Africa to the tune of 250 to 300,000 years old. So that's going to be the follow-up question to this. So extrapolate as much as you need be. Okay so for me the correlation between the two is that Black Panther
1: really personifies and destroys the stereotypes that most white people have about Africa. Like whenever you ask an average American like what do you think like not even what you think you hold up two pictures of what they think Africa looks like. There, a majority of the cities in Africa kind of look like overblown New Yorks. Like, they're very modern and mm-hmm. they're very advanced. But then you show them, like, a picture of a starving kid with a piece of bread on his belly. <laughs> like, he can't eat it because he's too mountaineerish to fucking reach for it. Like, if you say, which, where is this? They would say, oh, that's Africa. Where is this? Oh, that's like, uh... Is that Japan, Denmark? <laughs> no, same fucking place. Yeah. So I love the fact that Black Panther completely destroys that stereotype. Now what it leads into, for me, is people actually taking a look and glance into the appropriation that black that white people have had in Africa. Mm-hmm. Because if you really look at it, Black Panther is an example of what an African city would be like if it wasn't influenced by another culture. and you see the potential within that and how it is able to grow and become better Mm -hmm. but for me if you really dig into the history of Africa and you dig into the appropriation and the pillaging and like all of the different cultures that influenced it and how America is literally still stealing from it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and how to me this is the thing that surprises me about most Americans is that when you think of a South African they literally think that it's a white person. What? Yes, I've met people that think that South Africans look white.
0: Who are That they? is the most ass backward shit I've ever <laughs> met in my life. You don't have to convince me people are dumb, I believe. That
1: is the most ass backward shit I've ever heard in my life. And it baffles me how white people are able to go into another country that wasn't originally theirs. Yeah. Completely cut themselves off. Basically create a part tie and say the originals can't be in the land where they were in the first fucking yeah, place. Yeah, like, colonial... How did
0: anyone ever... That, know
1: colonialism, sure, people, I'd buy that. People glazed over that shit way too fast for me.
0: Yeah,
1: I said, what that the- shit is amazing. But, anyway, I feel like... Africa is that nation that is, ri- that is very rich in elements, technology. Like, it's downplayed to the point to where people sleep on... People sleep on how intelligent and how wonderful that nation actually is. Like, they always think that it's a starving shithole or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, it's not anything like that. The people that come... Some of the best people that I've ever met in my life, hands down, I went to HBCU. and oh, that is. Uh, a historically black college and university. That's what right. a lot of white people don't know. All right, an HBCU is basically a school... That was that's predominantly black, like basically ninety eight percent of the school is black.
0: So like Tuskegee would be.
1: It's an HBCU, a historically black college university, because it was started by uh, African Americans because they weren't allowed to go to PWIs. Got it. And you see, and you can really tell if an HBCU is a true South HBCU because the basis of the school is either based in education, agricultural, and, agricultural, me- agriculture and mechanics, or something that can. Or something that's dealt in the mathematics and scientific world. Because that was all that we had and that's all that we were educated in. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm getting too deep into that. Let's uh, put
0: a pin in that and promise me you'll come back and we can discuss that, we can extrapolate on that because I want to get your opinion on uh, George Washington Carver and, and the, the paradigm shift in there. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. You definitely will. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> cool, 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 so, awesome. Um, so you, you, were saying, you were saying HBCUs. I went to an HBCU. And
1: basically HBCU, uh, my school, Alabama State University, uh, they started to implement this foreign exchange program where they would take African Americans, send them off to Af- different colleges in Africa, and take college kids from Africa and bring them here to America mm-hmm. to, you know, to get different perspectives and to get a different form of sure. education. So we could really learned about each other and i really see like within the african culture there are a lot there are a lot of good influences and a lot of good things that come out of africa that western society just does not know
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: like they have a completely all right here's the first example for me that really stuck with me they have a very very different outlook when it comes to civil responsibility And what I mean by civil responsibility is their gun control laws, their education laws, and laws that come into place whenever it comes to uh, uh, the public. Like, in certain parts of Africa, yes, guns are outlawed, and in some parts of the country, guns are actually given to citizens, but they've had, like, the least amount of shootings in the country because they adopt this ideal that is a civil responsibility to look out for each other mm-hmm. and not to just look at each other as in oh I have a gun because it's a robber mm-hmm. no I have the gun for protection and they also implement different laws in place that reduce their gap to, to reduce their greenhouse effects mm-hmm. like they've outlawed cars in some countries where you can only use eco-friendly cars and they're at a cheap price mm-hmm. cool. and they've built the cities in some of these cut and they built some of the cities so close together to where you don't really have to drive to where you want to get to where you want to get. You can either walk or just simply jog or take a bike. Yeah. And public transportation is free. So you don't have to worry about spending cash just so you can get from place to place. Like, they have the citizens more intact there. And that's what I really wish that they adopted here. But it's not built that way. Like, if you look in America, most cities are built to where you have... In the South, where you have to get a car just to get from place to place. Yeah. And it's spread out, but it's only spread out that way.
0: That's interesting. It's only spread
1: out that way because if you really want me to get into it, car dealers, (laughs) the car dealership, uh, General Ford, they have their pockets in every single city in America. Sure. Because when it first started, they wanted to say, Hey, we want to sell our cars and we want to be funded by the government. So the government saw it as a win-win to where they're able to sell cars to the public and they're able to make money off of it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So they basically got together with civil engineers and said, how can we construct our cities to be better? But keep in mind that we want people to drive to where they need to get. So they created downtowns that way. Anything fun or touristy would be downtown. That way, they could walk from place to place. But if you need to get to a hospital, you have to drive miles away.
0: The beginnings of the suburb. Yeah. Concept. If
1: you really want to, if you really want to get to a certain type of mall that sells different products, yeah. you have to be able to drive. And, and they could segregate it and regulate it how they wanted to.
0: Yeah, and I, I was thinking of it from not even from a segregation regulation standpoint, which those are, are both good points. But even, even more fundamentally. By imposing the concept of individualism and by by elevating the standard of the individual above the community, yeah. you are you are doing exactly what Black Mirror is is showing everyone and what social media is showing everyone to do. This alone together phenomenon, yeah. where you are enabling people to regulate themselves and monitor themselves, just like nineteen eighty four. Um, just because you are creating a circumstance in which isolationism becomes the fallback, or it becomes the defensive side of the aggressive side of yeah. independence.
1: Yeah. And even the big example here in Mobile, like if you really got the attitude of any citizen of any Mobilean, is every man for himself. You really get down dirty with it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, that, I think that's what having your own car, having your own home, it forces people to be that way. Yeah. As opposed to being, like, uh, you know, look at countries that, that, like, I think China, when they all cram into the subway. But they yeah. are so respectful of each other's space. Yeah. Like, uber, uber respectful, but... Like have you looked suffering
1: with each other? Have you looked how Japanese schools regulate their cafeterias? Oh, dude,
0: oh, amazing! They fix
1: their own lunches, fresh from scratch, from organic vegetables. And the kids, they make the kids, cool. did it out to themselves. So good. They deal it out to themselves because it teaches so them humbleness. Yeah, it teaches them how to be humble. You would not. A fucking Brett would not have, ex- ah! would not have made it. Like, a in Japan. Brett. A fucking Brett or Blaze. <laughs> any one of those little fucking douchebags. Todd. They would
0: have... Oh, Todd. Carlin. Oh, God. <laughs> that was, fucking was Todd. Todd.
1: <laughs> they would not have made that. They're teaching their kids how to be humble and to respect each other and wash their dishes and learn civil responsibility right. that it's not just about you. Community. Everybody yeah. else has to use this space right. and everybody
0: else has to use it. Right, like bathrooms. Way cleaner over there. Dude. Over I here, will have, it's like, man, I'm not allowed to clean it up.
1: I'm drunk. Oh. And I can't hold my wiener. <laughs> I'm just gonna man, pee Dude, I have not used I have not sat on a single toilet (laughs) in downtown Himmobile, too. I wouldn't. Dude, I I feel like as soon as I sit my butt on a toilet... AIDS, like right there and there. I got, like, I got toilet AIDS. I got toilet
0: AIDS. <laughs> I got toilet like,
1: AIDS. I feel like I got that kind of luck. I go to the doctor, and go, like, Doctor, my butthole hurts it's like a little too much. He said, Well, you're not homosexual. Let's see what's going on. They take a blood test. You have a rare form of butt AIDS. Yeah, <laughs> like, you
0: got toilet AIDS, hepatitis C, it's and real, AIDS. It's
1: real rampant around mobile for some reason. <laughs> 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 and you need to lose weight. I told you that before, but. <laughs> oh.
0: Mobile Bay sickness, oh god! Also known as Hepa AIDS. Those Bayou crabs, <laughs> they call <them> crawdaddies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just oh, don't yeah. eat, just don't eat the heads. Yeah, know. that's what I think just about.
1: Suck it. the heads. I feel like Black Panther has shown, has shined a light, and kind of destroys some of those stereotypes that you have about Africans and African American culture.
0: That's awesome. I think that's. Even better now and well-timed because of all the fabulous uh, his, historical, archaeological discoveries that are coming out.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't even understand the concept of Pangea.
0: Like, you yeah. like you know
1: Pangea. Oh, yeah. yeah, the right? more, like yeah a lot know. of people don't understand Go there. Like why, okay, a lot of people don't understand why Africa is being shown as a poor country and why some of the poorest, why some of the poorest countries are like in Africa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's because white people won't stop stealing shit from there. <laughs> you don't become poor just by being born. That's the shit. Like even me as a kid, when I saw, when I would go on BT and you know, I see the in the arms, like you see these little starving kids with well, this right. fat-titted white lady, and she's just. <laughs> Can Sally you help Struthers. feed Nagano Have you can you help feed Naganu? You can feed her with you, <laughs> Right. Can you help feed little Nagano And my thing is, okay, I see that they're starving. I went into why are they starving? Yeah. And you come to find out that tribe they were filming, that was a blood diamond. <laughs> that was a blood diamond tribe. Yeah. And you find out, huh, why do blood diamonds exist? Because white folks in America mm-hmm. think diamonds are rare and special when they're not. <laughs> Why is that? Because a certain type of company created ad campaigns in America that basically said that if you don't use diamonds to marry your wife, right. then she will not love you. They're special. are <laughs> special. And back then, the only thing white people loved was money, land, and pussy. <laughs>
0: and they were not going to lose any one of those three. There you go. And so somebody found a way to be a middleman. Exactly. And... Mm, that goes to like we talk about universal basic income that goes to a lot of different places but history is one that i'm most in, in interested in you know going way way back into uh, uh, a lot of people aren't aware that the the jury is still out and there are really good hypotheses being tested right now that the entirety of the sahara desert was a thriving lush jungle 25,000 years ago. I would not put it past it. Like, hardly, a a blank ago. The, the just wholly different thing. Which means that what we know of the history in that area just really falls short. Really, really falls short. I guess this, this leads us into a whole another conversation that we probably should Hold until after we go sign this list and whatnot. Part two. <laughs> Part two. So get the plugs in there. Send send everybody where they need to go. Uh, where are we? We're at the Blind Mule on We're at the Blind Mule Wednesdays. every
1: Wednesday night from uh, 9 o'clock until uh-huh. sign-ups at 8.30, downtown Mobile, Blind Mule. Uh, we're at Tuesday nights for Open Bike Night in Pensacola at the Bad Porch Bar and Grill with my man, Captain. Every night, starting from 9 o'clock until
0: sign-ups at 8.30. And Back Porch Comedy hosts that, and they also host the Showcase on Friday nights in the same place at Back Porch uh, in Pensacola, Paula Fox and Cervantes. Um, Governor hosts this open mic that we're at tonight at the Merry Widow. Merry Widow! (laughs) And...
1: Those always start from 7 o'clock, sign-ups at 6.30, up until... Yeah. We've been missed that list of to sign fuck up, so we're going to be, like, dead-ass last. But, hey, save the, the looks best for of last. it,
0: From the looks of it, it's going you know, to be in our favor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's say the best for last. Fuck it. Who cares? Oh, goodness. Look at how shiny my forehead is. I should not do that. Well, uh, yeah. oh, anyway.
1: I cut all my hair off, so my head definitely looks shiny.
0: <laughs> is there anything that, uh, that I have missed or not thought about
1: no check us out sometimes on blind mule check out the blind mule facebook so you get an update on some of the shows that we may uh pull up on friday or saturday sometimes we bring in comics from out of town and the only charge is like five or ten bucks. And sometimes we have different rock bands that come out after the show. Wednesday nights on the Blind Mule. I know they had Satan and the Sabbath. And I know Mary Widow has a couple of bands performing like after uh, open mic nights on Sundays. I know they had the Wild Mahicans. Those guys were fucking dope.
0: Those guys I missed were dope. that show. I yeah, had to take dude, off. Was they good. were
1: dope. It were good. Me and Ryan I stayed behind. I've never had the, we. I've never been happier to be the token. Like be the token <laughs> <laughs> Like, I never knew who these crackers were, but they were pretty um, goddamn good. And I was playing the ring game, yeah. and, like, the lead uh, singer, shares the to me, and I sunk it. She said, hey, good job, man. I said, thank you. I don't know if you're important, but thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then she got up there and started okay. singing. I said, oh, that's the lead singer. <laughs> got you. Yeah, I'm important. Win. Win. And the bass and the drummer and the lead guitarist, they all watched my show, laughed throughout the entire thing. <laughs>
0: That's right, they were hanging out. They were cool. Yep, they were pretty cool. They
1: so check us out cool. at The Mary Widow, check us out at The Blind Mule. Sundays, Wednesdays, Saturdays. Mobile comedy, we own. Oh, and we're about to start comedy open mic nights on uh, Thursday nights starting next week at The Tinderbox.
0: Is it going to be Thursdays? Yeah, it's going to be Thursdays. So we've moved it to Thursdays, okay? Yeah,
1: it's going to be Thursdays. But check out The Tinderbox or check out Zeke Buckholtz. Check out his Facebook or Comedy Whatever, Mobile, Alabama, on Facebook, so you get updates on the different things that we're doing in Mobile in terms of comedy. Fuck yeah, yeah, Fuck yeah.
0: Cool. Until next time, ladles and jelly spoons. Thanks for joining us. Truth, love, and... Holla, nigga! Peace!
1: I'm in your ass! (laughs)